ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Top 8 Magic. I'm Brian David Marshall. I'm joined by Michael J. Flores, and we are continuing our sort of meander through Oath of the Gatewatch. Uh, we're going to come back around to the beginning of the color pie now and look at the white cards. And we're going to start with Eldrazi Displacer. Mike, what's your take on this card? Hot or not? Um, I think that the card is just, it's costed in such a way that I feel like it should be powerful and good. I mean, certainly this card is just way better than cards I've, I've chosen to play and constructed before. Um, and... Barring some kind of arcane infinite combos and standard, I, I, I just don't know how this is going to be, be good in standard. So, so the, something you know, you know I've talked about previously is this idea that people did play Deadeye Navigator in some forms of standard. Paired with like uh, Thrag Tusk. Thragamatusk. Uh, you know, which... I mean, Deadeye Navigator is a pretty big... Like, you're setting out to build a, you know, to play a deck. You're like, I'm going to cast this six drop. I'm going to have uh, at least two mana to activate it when... And a creature to soul bond it with when I play it. You know, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty impressive. But it has certainly found some success in Standard. Uh, you know, won a PTQ, as far as I recall. But uh, Eldrazi Displacer is, is much more attractive in terms of the commitment to getting it on the board. Yeah, I mean, it's just a card that's a 3-3 creature for 3 mana. So it's like, it's got like a minimum bar that it's already passed. I think that that's very attractive. At the same time, it's got a sweet ability. Like, if you just, if you just kind of go long, like, you know, like 6 turns or 8 turns or 9 turns into the game, you can just lock down your guys, you know, your opponent's Eldrazi. You know, right. It's like... Because it taps them, they come. They they return to the battlefield tapped. Yeah, it, it like it can it can kind of take care of you from that perspective. So it's a uh, it's got could some it, potential, right? It's could got, it be could it be a could it be a sideboard game breaker in some of these Eldrazi matchups that maybe we're going to see uh, in standard and even in modern as as you know Oath of the Gatewatch becomes legal? Could it become like a a uh, a utility card out of the sideboard? Maybe. Here's the thing. The Eldrazi decks, if you're going to talk about, let's say, Eldrazi on Eldrazi Violence, you're going to have to be able to summon white, and they're going to have to be able to summon white kind of before the opponent gets to uh, you know, kind of a reasonable, I can defend myself zone. And I'm not 100% that they're going to be able to do that. But if they can get white, then this guy will come down, and interestingly enough, if everyone's kind of playing for a biggest, slowest game, he might just get in there and just rumble a ton, get some damage in himself, and then when the opponent has their Ulamog, their their Kozilek, their whatever big thing, he can just tap it down, which is kind of sweet. In addition, if you yourself have got, like, a World Breaker, right? You can Eldrazi Displacer your World Breaker, can't you? And then, isn't that very productive for you? Is that the, uh... Yeah, but that's a when you cast, so that doesn't really. Oh, okay. So, so it doesn't it doesn't really work with any of the Eldrazi's because they're all all their triggers 
or are when you cast. Good. Where it really, where it really shines is something like obviously like Brood Warden, where you are gonna, you know, generate three Eldrazi tokens when the Brood Warden comes into play. So you get to like sort of you get to do that infinitely. That's something that people talk about. Um, you know, in you know, in a modern format where you know you have a card like Training Grounds that reduces the cost of the activated ability down to one colorless. If you have anything that makes two Eldrazi, you have kind of a splinter twin combo because you can keep chaining one colorless scion into another scion. You get two, you sack one, you get two, you sack one. Well, so like soon there's not going to be any splinter twins. So people are going to have to find a new way to deal infinite amount of damage with otherwise kind of lame creatures. Right? Yeah. Um, I think this guy is probably too good to be bad, but that's 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 where I am at. But 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 kind of awkward enough that it's not clear what he's going to be good in. Yeah, he's like um, trying to think. Like, who was that guy who you were convinced that Alan Moore was writing him from Warrior Comics? But like, was his like kill, press but Axel press button? Was that his name? Yeah, yeah. Like, they thought Axel Pressbutton was going to be the big hit character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Axel Pressbutton. But it, was, it turned out it said Miracle Man was the big hit. Speaking yeah. of which, they're actually going to print uh, Mark Buckingham and uh, Neil Gaiman's uh, Silver Age Miracle Man story finally this year. Oh, wow. Marvel's doing it finally. Yeah, I'm going to buy some com- comics. So, uh, Eldrazi Displacer, obviously a card I really want to play with in Commander, by the way. Lots of fun stuff to do with it there. But, let's move on and talk about Afa Protector. 2W for a 1-4 Vigilance, common human ally, soldier. Nothing to see here. There's just a lot of things that you can do for a 2 and a white in this set that are way better. Than yeah, I mean, just like, it's right Protector. next to the Eldrazi Displacer. Now we know what it displaced. Um, allied Reinforcements, 3 and a white for a sorcery. Put 2... 2-2 two, two white knight ally creature tokens onto the battlefield. Now, getting two allies, two ally triggers, is that, does, it, does that start to get interesting? Well, I mean, for the same cost, you can have Gideon, and he can give you the first of two allies. <laughs> and then you can see what happens next. Is that clickbait? No, I'm Play just Gideon, saying, I think see this what card is next? just utter garbage compared yeah. to Gideon. Yeah, I know. I'm just thinking about like how they're pushing. You know, if they're pushing allies, if there's something interesting going on there, double ally triggers. I don't know. I was just, I'm just asking. I mean, if it was an instant, maybe. If it was an instant, I think. Uh, We we've already talked about Call of the Gatewatch, two W sorcery search library for a planeswalker card, reveal it and put it into your hand. Uh, Where where were we on this card? We didn't like it. We thought it was poop. How do we feel now? Still poop. Still poop? This is what I think, right? Imagine you had any Planeswalker in your deck. And you just played it instead of playing Call of the Gatewatch. Then you would just draw it in the spot that you were otherwise going to draw Call of the Gatewatch. If the Planeswalker costs three, for example, Nyssa, you would just cast it instead of having Call of the Gatewatch in your hand. If it costs four, which is how much of Planeswalker that you probably would... Uh, would get that with Call of the Gatewatch, you could just play it on turn four, which is the same as if you had Call of the Gatewatch in your hand and you did something else with your third turn. Sure, but when, when you play tutors, but when you play tutors, they become additional copies, right? So this this you know, I mean, 
Yeah, but I mean, how often are you at this point where like I really need a seventh Gideon? Like, that's just not. Well, what, just if, not what, if what if you're playing? What if you're playing a Super Friend style deck where you're playing a lot of Planeswalkers, a lot of different Planeswalkers, and maybe you know you want some specific Planeswalkers for some specific roles that you can go and get when you need them. Here's the thing with a Super Friends deck. You know what that deck really needs? Some More Planeswalkers? No, some life points. Right. So they're not dead on turn four. So they right. can play their awesome Planeswalkers start getting a huge advantage, right? Like, making yourself dead on turn four to the card, like, I don't know, Hordling Outburst, it's not a good plan. IMO. Right. So I, I still think it's poop. What do you think? Uh, I... I think i can't wait to play with it in a commander deck <laughs> you know that that's where a card like that's going to really shine where you have the time to cast the mana uh you know lots of mana to do things with uh you know it seems exciting there uh you know i wouldn't be surprised to see i don't know shaheen sarani playing this card okay. i will give this i'm going to put this card on my shaheen sarani watch list Dazzling Reflection, one and a white for an instant. You gain life equal to target creature's power. The next time that creature would deal damage this turn, prevent that damage. This is like kind of sweetly fogtacular, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, you know, especially if your opponent's, you know, rumbling with giant Eldrazi. You could just mill the top 30 cards of your deck, but yeah. not taking damage. <laughs> You to gain some life, though, and be like, you get, probably uh, a strong moral victory yeah. that you were like... Then you get to show... And then you push the reveal hand button before okay. you concede. I was at 60 life when I lost, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, well, how about this? Like, let's say you get in, deal your damage, so you kind of circumvent the fogtacular nature of this card, and then gain the life. Awesome. It's still not good enough if you yeah. do that. Just, yeah. just, just in case you guys at home were wondering, yeah, this card's card. probably not very good and constructed. Uh, Expedition Raptor. So this is three white white for a 2-2 two, two bird at common. It's a flyer, and when it enters the battlefield, support two, put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to two other target creatures. So this thing is never, never bigger a four, than a, four flyer. Never, never a 4-4 four, four flyer. No matter how many times I reread it, it's not a 4-4 four, four flyer for 5, which probably wouldn't be good enough for anything other than limited. Yeah, I agree that this card has the words not good enough in a sentence describing it. Yeah. Uh, General Tazri. Uh, this is a pretty exciting card, I think, for Commander players, because it's a new 5-color legendary ally that lets people build a, you know, an ally deck. Uh, because the guy has, you know, Wooberg in his activated abilities. His color identity is all five colors. So you can build a five-color deck with this guy. You know what this guy's problem is? What's He's that? He's on a terrible team. He's on the Allies? Yeah, like, you remember when Kevin Garnett was on the Minnesota Timberwolves? Oh, wait. He's on the <laughs> Minnesota Timberwolves again. Do you remember the first time he was on the Minnesota Timberwolves? He was, like, the best player in the NBA, but he could just never win a game. Yeah. That's General Tazri. That he like immediately went to the Boston Celtics and then like immediately just won an NBA title. That would be if General Tazri like got drafted by the Goblins. <laughs> like, Tazri, get over here, my man. You know, like, he's yeah. like just you know suddenly drafted by like Goblin King. You know, yeah. like 
So, you know, you, as I understand get, it, the position of Goblin King is currently vacated. Yeah. So, um, if you get a foil General Tazri, trade it to a commander player, you know, they really want it. They're probably dying to build a deck. Like, this guy's interestingly inevitable, right? Like, you just get him, and then you just get another General Tazri. So then if they kill your General Tazri, you could just play the next General Tazri, who can get another General Tazri. So it's, like, hard for you to run out of General Tazris. And if you untap with it, you could be dealing as many as four damage yeah. if you, uh, if you, if you put all that mana in. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Immolating Glare is another card we've already talked about. 1W for an instant that destroys target attacking creature. Which, you know, lets you, lets you fight with an Eldrazi, right? Sure. I mean, there have been lots of variations of this kind of card. Sometimes they're played. Sure, Condemns and... Yeah, but Condemns cost one. Um, Next Snaps cost four. Well, this is, like, more comparable to... It's more comparable and generally less good than the one from Magic Origins. Because the one from Magic Origins could kill, like, a Storm Breath Dragon or whatever, something that's protection from white. Oh, right, which it's like sacrifice an attacking creature? Yeah, so I mean, this like... Kills, this kills target attacking creature, though, right? Yeah, so, it's, it's probably, like, barely fine. I guess. You can't kill a Storm Breath Dragon. No. Yes. But, it, you know, it can, kill, it can kill a number of other things. Do you not... You don't think this is a card people can find, you know, find room for? I, I, like I said, I think it's, like, slightly not good enough. Or maybe barely good enough. Something in that range. Okay. I'll like, I think that. some people will play. It's probably okay. Yeah. Like Craig Wesco? I mean, maybe. He doesn't have terror in his color. Yeah. <laughs> He's only got one color. And it doesn't have terror. Uh, Iona's Blessing. Three and a W for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two. Has vigilance and can block an additional creature. Wow, it also costs four mana. Yeah. yeah which, which means the Boggles deck can never cast it. It's just not a good enough card. Uh, isolation Zone. Uh, 2WW for an enchantment. When Isolation Zone enters the battlefield, exile target creature or enchantment and opponent controls until Isolation Zone leaves the battlefield. So it's just a four-mana conditional journey to nowhere, Oblivion Ring kind of thing. It can't hit Planeswalkers, but it yeah. can hit creatures and enchantments. It seems pretty bad to me. Yeah, pretty expensive. It seems very much like just a card there for limited. Obviously, that card's going to be, you know, perfectly reasonable and limited. It's just like too expensive by one, for even if the ability was way better, and the ability is not way better. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, the the thing the thing with uh, Oblivion Ring and, and whatnot is you really you really want to be able to deal with. You want it to be a catch all. You don't want it to be this specific. I mean, like, one of the permanent types is enchantment, right? Yeah. It's, like, super restrictive. No one even games with enchantments. Yeah. Get their silk wrap. Unlock your... You get to unlock your uh, hangerback walker. Oh, wait. Uh, core Scythe Master. 2W for a 3-1. Uh, this is another Core Soldier ally. 3 mana for a 3-1 is, is, is pretty, is pretty uh, steep. Uh, and it has first strike as long as it's attacking. Um, cost three. Yeah, that's it. Course, so does Core Sky Climber. It's two one, uh, two and a white for a three two. Uh, you might think because it has the word sky in it, it flies. 
but only sometimes. If you sink another two mana into it, white and one, it gains flying until end of turn. It's like a coarse jumping guy. Yeah, yeah. He looks kind of looks like he's jumping. Yeah. So something that does fly is Linvala the Preserver. Now, have you have you come back around on this card? Did I hear something that your 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 opinion has somehow shifted? I hate it far less than I once did, <laughs> but I still don't think it's that good. What? Why do you hate it less? Is there anything? Because like, if the conditions were you had to be winning, man, it would be hard to set up. Right. It's way easier to set up that you had to be losing. Right, right. Like, how hard is it to have less life than your opponent? Unless they're trying to have less life than you. It's pretty right. easy. Yeah. I mean, this, by the way, this is an interesting card. You know, we talked about that um, Thrag Tusk interaction with Deadeye Navigator. This is the Thrag Tusk to the Eldrazi Displacers Deadeye Navigator. If you're looking for something just in current standard, you know, besides Siege Rhino. Hmm. I think that uh, the card is probably playable. I just don't think it's the great way hope. Okay. I'll, I'll accept that. Make a stand. 2W for an instant. Creatures you control get plus 1, plus 0, and gain indestructible until end of turn. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. It's kind of a, it's kind of a sweet card, right? Like, it, it, it functions, uh, you, know, multi, you know, aggressively if you're, you're just, like, out ahead of your opponent and you just want to bash. But, but it, it also, it also serves a hundred. Cost three, and you do get to sit back. You know, at some point, you stop playing cards because your opponent's Wrath of God, you know, or or board sweeper that you're worried about. You know, you get to sit back on this, and you know, maybe you know this counters that that uh, you know the crux of fate. So you like this primarily as a counter spell for wrath effects. I I do, I do, and you know we've seen a couple of other. Cards. I mean, I, obviously, anything that's like minus X minus X isn't going to do it. But there's a couple of other cards that are, you know, uh, the red card that we talked about. That's, uh, you know, dealing damage to your cards. Um, uh, Oath of uh, Oath of Chandra. No, 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 no. The oh, the give me a second. Codes Electric Turn. Oh, that one's insane. Right, but this this counters Kozal extra turn. I just hate these cards that are like. I mean, think I about it like this. What if it was just a counter spell, and it costs three, like dismiss? You know, like you're not a hundred percent to play those cards. This no, card is I, way more restrictive not. version. I I agree. I'm just I'm just saying that that that's a role it could fill. It could, but it's also a card that's not dead if you're playing and you're just have like this super aggressive draw. You have to be like, oh, and deal an extra five. You'll kill you. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. You really think Make a Stand is going to be played? No. Then let's I just think, move on. I think it could be played. I don't. I think it's Mc, McKinney Aeronaut, uh, one white and a white for a one three flyer, core scout ally, whatever. Mighty Leap has not. Has Mighty Leap ever been played? I mean, not in constructed. Yeah. Uh, Munda's Vanguard. We've already talked about it. We already talked about cards that had the word Munda in them. Yes, yes. So cards that are from Munda. Look, what about Munda himself? Uh, we haven't talked about Munda, but from Munda we've talked about. And their, che- and their cheese output. <laughs> so are they all from the state of Wisconsin? <laughs> uh, Oath of Gideon. 
card sweet. Two W for a legendary enchantment. When Oath of Gideon enters the battlefield, put two. Well, this is this is actually this is so much better than the four mana card that puts two allies into play, even though they, they give you two additional points of power. When Oath of Gideon enters the battlefield, put two one one white core ally creature tokens onto the battlefield. Each planeswalker you control enters the battlefield with an additional loyalty counter on it. Yeah, so, like, what if you played this card on turn three, got two tokens, and then played the card, oh, I don't know, Gideon? Yeah, Gideon comes in with five loyalty counters. You ultimate him, still have a loyalty counter on him, and suddenly you have two two twos and whatever other board you've developed before that. Yeah, the card is super good. Yeah, this card is sweet. So here's the thing that uh, Patrick Chapin actually mentioned to me. You know what card that no one's playing right now that probably seems awesome with uh, these various oaths? Starfield of Nyx. Oh, wow! If you got, like, two Oath of Gideons, like, one in your hand and one one in your library, I'm sorry, one in your graveyard, you just play it and then get the other one back, and it legend rules the other one to death. You keep getting tokens, and then you're just going to keep getting them back because of, like, the, the... just the ability of Starfield and Nyx. Oh, wow. The, just, en- the engine using all the legendary enchantments and then Starfield to keep returning one during your upkeep. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's I think, really powerful. Like, those two cards. And then this card in general, um, it's got some movement. That's what I'm going to say about that. It, 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 lets, it gives you tools to protect your next Planeswalker. Right. It protects your next and just And also just puts your Planeswalker really far out of reach. Um, uh, that additional loyalty counter is is, is gonna yeah, it's really it's just good. gonna just end up being huge any number of ways. Yeah, I mean just both the Gideon and the actual Gideon is just scary to me. Yeah. So all right. So yeah, I I, I like that. I've, I've I've been pretty happy with all the oaths so far. Uh Undo War Cleric is a card we've talked about. You gotta tap it's cohort, so you have to tap two allies to gain life. You gotta tap this and another untapped ally. Not very interesting, even at a, you know, and a two-two for two. Not not quite going to do it. Uh, relief it's no Cap- steadfast guard. Yeah, relief captain is two ww for an ally that when it enters the battlefield support three, but it's a three-two again. It's other creatures though, so I, I'm I mean I'm maybe I'm not seeing support. I mean I'm sure it's going to be awesome and limited. You're just going to end up with this board that's so frustrating. I just I don't think that support is going to be really powerful. Well, in limited, it's obviously going to well, be. Well, in limited, it's different. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, just, yeah, I just, constructed, I just you just have no guarantee that you have the number of guys that are going to get affected by this. Right. Uh, how do you feel about Searing Light? W for an instant destroy target attacking, blocking, a target attacking or blocking creature with power to or less. You talked earlier about black, you know, white not having terror. White normally doesn't have disfigure, which is what this kind of would compare to in that, in that case. Well, you know, is this is this like a, a cool sideboard card against aggro decks? Is this? I think it depends on what attackers are getting played. Like, if you're in a format where everything was like goblin guides and um, monastery swift spirits, this card probably would be pretty good. Yeah, you know, but like if you're getting attacked always by Eldrazi and Cedrinos, it has no text. Yeah, obviously. No, no, that's why. That's why I said you know against decks that are, you know, I don't, you know, it's like this figure wasn't usually a, a main deck card, right? I think it sometimes was. Yeah. But regardless, I think this card is like maybe like a sideboard card specifically if you're going to go to, you know, a 
you know, you know you're going to get into particular fights. You know, yeah, that's someone, the... someone who's playing cheap creatures and attacking with them. This card, <laughs> this card will be terrific. Uh, shoulder to shoulder, if support's going to be good, this might be the card it's good with. 2W, you know, put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up the two target creatures, draw a card. Uh, um, I like the draw a card ability. I dislike the three mana ability. Yeah, yeah. I like I like this card in limited quite a bit. Uh, you know, it, uh, but it's sorcery speed. I, I don't even just moving on. It's just not so, that good enough. Yeah, sp- a spawn my spawn spawn binder mage four mana for a two four three and a W. Uh, again, it's cohort, so you have to tap this and an untapped ally you control, and you get to tap target creature. Card's probably very good and limited. Very good to good. But, uh, yeah. Step Glider. 4W for a 2-4 Flying Vigilance. So I, I don't even need to... Do I need to read the ability? No, I think we can just keep going. Target Maybe creature with... A, I, I was like, oh, gives target creature a plus one, plus one... Ca-. No, it doesn't. It's target creature with a plus one, plus one counter on it gains flying. Uh, <laughs> Stonehaven Outfitter. 1W. I, I like this card. Uh, court Artificer Ally, it's a 2-2 two, two for 2. Equipped creatures you control get plus 1, plus plus 1, and whenever an equipped creature you control dies, draw a card. This card's interesting to me. I think that it's got, like, a lot of things going on that just make it a, a classically strong card. First of all, it's got one and a white for its casting cost, so this is, like, without leaving the color of white, this is the, the Busto card, right? Um... On cost, etc. I think it's got a lot of potential. The problem is the team is not there. right. Yeah, see, this this card really wants to be playing with Scions. Actually, this card wants to be playing with Eldrazi because it wants to like find some cheap to move around equipment. Like I think we talked about Sword of the Animist maybe being that card. Yeah, it, you know just, something that costs one to move, and so you're like, put it on a Scion, sack my Scion, put it on a Scion, sack my Scion. You just you need to have stuff working with it that you want to play, even if you don't get it, you know? Yeah. And I think Sword of the Animus is the closest thing we have in Standard, but, you know, it's just, this isn't, a, what is it, Skull Clamp? It's not a Skull Clamp. Yeah, no, it's not a Skull Stone. Oh, Stoneforge Acolyte. Is Stoneforge Acolyte a Stoneforge? Yes, but not the way that you're thinking about it. <laughs> it doesn't come into play and get a better Skull. So you, you basically get to look for an equipment card in the top four cards in your library if you tap two allies. Well, that's probably never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one's even ever going to try this. The stone speaks, we are merely interpreters. I interpret that this is unplayable. <laughs> I, I don't think that the, the Stonehaven Outfitter is unplayable. I just think that you just... No, 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 I like team. the Stonehaven. I like the Stonehaven Outfitter. I was talking about the Stoneforge Jacklight. All right, Wall of Resurgence to close out white. Two and a white for an 06 wall. Like many walls, it has Defender. When Wall of Resurgence enters the battlefield, you may put three plus one plus one counters on target land you control. If you do, that land becomes a zero zero elemental creature with haste that's still a land. So this is actually a really interesting card. The, the land itself isn't a bonus card. You're just reappro- reappropriating it, right? Yeah. But it's kind of like an 06 and a 3 3 for, for 3. Yeah, I mean, you play it on turn 4, it's giving you 9 points of, of, of defense. 
let, lets you maybe attack. I mean, it gives gives you that nine points even on turn three when you play it. You don't you can put it on a tap land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that will be common. Do you uh, do you like this card? I kind of do, but I kind of don't. I mean, where? Do, yeah, the problem is like it's it's like I could see some situation where you play it, but the problem is it's not. It's not super exciting. It's not like devastatingly strong. That's and it, and it, does, it doesn't necessarily have a home. And there are things that, that are in similar cast costs that are devastatingly strong, like Oath of Gideon. Yeah. Right? Setting up Oath of Gideon and, I mean, whether or not you had it in a Starfield mixed deck, if you're just like setting up for Gideon himself, it's just, it's really strong. You know, you can ultimate Gideon immediately and he won't die. Yeah, you could also uh, you could also do like kind of wall of resurgence, Eldrazi displacer tricks. Well, that's true, right? But it doesn't give you that much more material. You just need to be reappropriating the material you already have. Right, right. Making your white cards more like Eldrazi cards. Well, that processing is a, them. That is a noble. That is a noble uh, goal. So, so what white cards do we like? Uh, we like Eldrazi displacer. I mean, we kind of like Eldrazi Displacer. Yeah, I mean, I, we think we think. I, I mean, I think it's obviously very powerful. Um, immolating Glare, as you know, maybe maybe a card people could play, but not not super excited. Uh, Linvala again, you're sort of lukewarm on the card. I think it's okay plus. Yeah, Oath of Gideon, both very bullish on the card. Yeah, the card's good. Uh, Searing Light, nice nice sideboard card. And then, like, Stonehaven Outfitter, kind of, like, lukewarm to warm. I said Oath of Gideon. Okay. I said we were both very bullish on it. There you go. Uh, Stonehaven Outfitter kind of card, you know, would like to love to be able to do something with it, but who the hell knows? And Wall <laughs> of Resurgence is kind of like, yeah, we just need some more white cards. That we're like, white, white is not super strong looking here. And I gotta tell you, even for Limited, it seems like, it seems like the cards are really... What do you think is the strongest card in a way? I think it might be Oath of Gideon. I think it might. I think. I think in terms of really making you want to play a deck, like making you want to imagine a scenario where you're, you know, what is this? What sequence of cards am I playing this in? What am I doing? Like this card's terrific. Um, you want to move on to blue? Yeah, let's do blue. Okay. So kick us off here, Mike. Absolute interference. Abtruse, abtruse interference. Abtruse interference. Sorry, dude. I gotta get. I gotta. I got about a week to learn all these. Abtruse. I didn't even know that was a word. Sorry. A absolute interference is what happened in my brain, preventing yeah. me from saying the correct word of abtruse interference. This card is two and a U for an instant common. It is devoid, meaning that it has no color. Counter target spell unless its controller pays one. You put a 1 1 colorless Eldrazi Scion creature token onto the battlefield. It has sacrifices creature, add colorless to your mana pool. This card is like pretty cool, maybe even a little sweet, and we know what that means. <laughs> Not good enough. Not good enough. Yeah, it's the rune boggliest. It's like. You might counter gonna, a spell, but you probably you're gonna, won't. You're gonna, you're gonna get someone so good with it. In, in mental magic. In I mean, limited. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
How about blind, blinding, blinding drone? drone? It's blinding drone has got the sweet casting cost, Brian. He's got the casting cost of remand. Yeah, got this the, is this one. You know what? Becker, Becker, I look at this card, and what's the first thing you think about is Becker, right? Like the one three for two. Becker's already told me he's like, dude, blinding drone was so awesome for me at the pre-release. I love this card. So it's one in one in a U for a creature Eldrazi drone, devoid, and it's got the ability colorless tap. Target uh, tap target creature. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, not uh, good yeah. enough for constructed, but no, but you know, good enough for limited. Assuming you can get your colorless mana to work, and it, and it's got the Becker stamp of approval. He's like, I like it just because it's a one three for two. <laughs> it's like a spider without reach. Yeah, uh, cultivator drone to U for a two three. It's an Eldrazi drone devoid. Tap to add colorless mana to your mana pool. Spend this ability only to cast a colorless spell, activate an ability of a colorless permanent, or pay a cost that contains colorless. Well, if you're going to put that many conditions on the card, I think, like... I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, like, if it was just, like, tab for colorless, it would certainly be a more interesting conversation. But, like, tab for colorless and also a bunch of things wrong with it. It's not gonna not gonna fly for me. Oops, are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Hold on. For some reason, I'm on. You're on. I haven't changed what I'm doing. Yeah, no, I did. Why did you change what you were doing? I don't know. Are you just like I, as smart as I am, or something? That's, that's am, not very smart. I am, I am. Is that better? It wasn't bad for me. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll just do it this way then. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, All I know is that Deep Fathom Skulker costs 5 and a U for a 4-4. It's devoid and has whenever a creature you control deals damage to... Sorry, combat damage to a player. You may draw a card. That's pretty sweet. It has the ability 3 and a colorless. Target creature can't be blocked this turn. Yeah, this, this card is... Is 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 falls into the sweet trap? Yeah, it's uh, it's got a very high ceiling. Yeah. Okay, so dimensional infiltrator. One blue for two one devoid flash flying, and then it has one in a colorless target opponent exiles the top card of his or her library. If it's a land card, you may return dimensional infiltrator to its owner's hand. Wow, what a bunch of needless text! Yeah, I don't think I understand this card. He's a dimensional infiltrator, he infiltrates dimensions. Okay. Um, Gravity Negator, 3 and a U for a 2-3. Devoid, flying. I guess he negates gravity. Whenever Gravity Negator attacks, you may pay colorless. If you do, another target creature gains flying until end of turn. So you could give your opponent a blocker. Hmm? If you wanted. You could give your opponent oh. a blocker if you wanted. Got ya. Um, or you could give another one of your creatures flying and fly over. Seems like a, 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 a terrific, a, a good to very good limited card. 
Um, moving on, profit Ooh. of distortion for you. I like profit of distortion. Do you like he costs you? Yeah, you. He's a one-two. He's devoid, and he has three you draw a card. This guy is um, Riptide uh, Chronologist or whatever that guy was. Except you don't. Instead of having to level him up twice to do anything, you just have to pay four each time. <laughs> but he has the superpower of costing exactly one. Yeah, and he draws a card. Um, slip through space is a card that also costs one. It's a sorcery. Common has the abilities to void. Target creature can't be blocked this turn. Draw a card. I actually think this card is going to be um, a huge staple in standard. I think this card's going to be played in modern too, right? Doesn't this just go into. I guess it's not good enough to replace other cards in the Infect deck. Uh, I think that the card is just got two insane things going for it. One of them is it costs you in the top right corner. Second thing, it has the, the abilities draw a card on it. Yeah. So those two things in concert with one another make me feel like the card is just going to be bust out because it, in fact, has text between the right in the corner and the, the text response. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, I, I can see, I can see this card being be played good. in modern. Uh, Thought Harvester, three and a U for a two four creature with Devoid. He is flying, and when he has, whenever you cast a colorless spell, um, target opponent exiles the top card of his or her library. I think that this is a lot of mana to pay for that ability. Yeah, you know what though? In, in limited, uh, I, I think that. You know, we're going to be really hard-pressed to find um, cards that are that are exiling. You know, the same kind of way that we have them in, in triple Battle for Zendikar draft. You know, the Benthic Infiltrators and the Mist Intruders are just not going to be as plentiful. Mm. So I think that these cards are going to be super important if you plan at, you know, just to keep, you know, you, you, if you could pick them up, I don't think you want to pick them up early, but if you think you're going to end up in a Devoid deck... Um, you're going to really want these cards because you're not going to have as many opportunities to get this first part of your ingester processor synergy going. And, and this card's going to do that for you. Um, what do you think about Void Shatter? I like this card a lot. It's just dis uh, not Dispel, not Dissolve. It is Dissipate. dissipate. Yeah. Dissipate was a staple in uh, multiple years. Yeah, but this card cannot be red, ele red, red elemental blasted. It can, but the red oh, elemental yeah. <laughs> blast will do nothing. Yeah. Cannot be successful. Uh, another card for John Becker, Ancient Crab. <laughs> uh, and I think that's really he all is we need kind to of say. an ancient crab. I think that's all we need to say about Ancient Crab. Uh, we talked a little bit about comparative analysis before. So 3U instant, basically it's inspiration, but it has surge to you. Yeah, so this card's super interesting. It's one of the cards I think is most thought-provoking around the surge mechanic. You need to leave four open and uh, have an expectation that you can do something for one mana and then cast this. Or I think that where this card has failed a little bit, or at least started off more slowly than they had to, um, is... Uh, is the, the context that the card is in right now. That, like, in a few months, 
maybe the world will be different because we're going to have uh, different card drawing available, right? Like, but it's just in competition with cards that are just much better than it right now. At the same time, it offers like kind of tactical challenges and puzzles that are interesting for us to explore, right? So nobody's going to play comparative analysis over dig through time at this stage, right? But in the future, it might be interesting to dress somebody and cast comparative analysis with four mana, or it might be interesting to leave open four and cast comparative analysis, or it might be interesting to leave open four, cast like fiery impulse into comparative analysis, or it might be interesting to have five open, be able to do like a two mana and a three mana play, or cast comparative analysis. You know, like I think that those things are going to be conversations we're going to have soon when when dig rotates. But until that time, I think it's unlikely to be a big impact player. Right. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think the big thing is, you know, you start thinking about, like, well, what cards can I play cheaply? Or like, ooh, dig through time. You're like, oh, wait a minute. If I'm playing dig through time. Yeah, it's just not. I, I just don't need the containment uh, comparative analysis. Okay, containment membrane. To you for an aura. Uh, surge you. Uh, enchant creature, enchanted creature doesn't untap during its untap step. This, card, this card's fantastic and limited. I think like, just this is just thirst. Trying to do something interesting with Surge. They're like, hey, we have these other things that are like surging to draw cards or something. Why don't we just like make a a pacifism variant or something with it and just kind of showcase that. Obviously, you're fine with it as thirst, right? You don't yeah, need it to and be limited. I, I, yeah. I could see myself having a couple of these in a deck. Yeah, the the one mana I think is nice, uh, but it's not going to come up super often, I don't think, in limited. Oh, sure. I mean, sure it is. When you get to play, like, on turn four, you get to play a three drop and this on their creature. Like, when you get to use your mana that efficiently, when you get to play two spells on one turn, when you get six mana worth of spells for on turn four, I mean, that's that's going to that's gonna happen quite a bit, I think. Okay. I was thinking it was going to be played too early to do that, but... Um. Uh, the likelihood is it's not going to be played at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Crush of Tentacles is a card we've talked about, but super again, awesome card. This, this goes back to what you were talking about about the like, duress. Duress is like one of the most obvious cards with this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Crush of Tentacles is just like impossibly interesting. I think that it's inter- like really just interesting fate, kind of that. Watsy templated cards like Oblivion Ring that they can't um, kind of set you up for Crush Tentacles by getting your own guys. So, like, sure. if you had, you know, a Silk Wrap now, which is a modern analog to an Oblivion Ring, can only get your opponent's guys because of, like, you know, whatever reason, but some people think of it as, like, the dumbing down of magic. But since you can't do that, like, there are these possibilities that exist for larger formats that don't necessarily exist for standard. Um, that said, will this card see Dutch play or, you know, some some foreign, far away? Um, I'm not sure, but I do know that it's going to pick a bunch, bunch of Planeswalkers. That's <laughs> like, you're going to dress somebody? Like, the coast is going to be clear, and they're like, Super Friend's position is just going to be completely undone, and then you're going to have an 8-8. Yeah. And I think it's just going to be the best because of that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's this card's awesome. Do you, do you think do you think this will get played? You know, do you think two weeks into the standard format we'll have seen a deck with this? I'm playing this card. I mean, like, <laughs> just like right now, this is just like, I can't 
there's nothing else I want to do more than play this card in okay. terms of the new cards to play. It's like it works with everything that I want to do in my life. It could, you know, what this card can do? It can pick up demonic pacts. Yeah, isn't that attractive? That's super attractive, actually. Like that's just like the best. <laughs> like, um, you know, you can play pick up pacts. You can, you can, um. You can engage in the fun of, of reflipping over your Jace. Jace. <laughs> you can you can flip him over and then you can cast this a few turns later. Maybe your second Jace can actually your second Jace can't give you flashback on this. It's very interesting, but it is um it's still something you could do. But it's just yeah, not thing, interesting. You know, of course the thing that I always want to do when I see a card like this is I want to end of your turn quicken crush. Well, that's just the natural thing to want to do, I think. That's just like, that's just, just nothing more natural than that. That's like a sun rising in the east and setting in the west. Yeah, I just want to quicken crush. I don't care if it's good. It's, it'll be good. Go yeah. find yourself a format to do that in. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll win a lot. <laughs> uh, Cyclone Sire. For you, for a 3-4 elemental. Uh, flying, and when it dies, it... Puts three plus one plus one counters on target land you control, and it becomes an elemental creature with haste that's still a land. Well, I don't think it's good enough. It's not the blue thread tusk? Like, I don't know. When you put it that way, maybe it is the blue thread tusk. <laughs> maybe the blue thread tusk just isn't very good. My <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the Blue Thrag Tusk? Hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Sadly, <laughs> the Blue Thrag Tusk had a different level ceiling than the real Thrag Tusk. Get gift, speaking of Tusks, Gift of Tusks, that card sounds like it should be awesome, and it's you, and it's an instant. So this is everything you want in a magic card, right? It's everything you want in a magic card. Uh, it is until end of turn target creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elephant with base power and toughness of 3-3. Three, three. So this is like a Pongify, but only lasts until end of turn? Yeah. I mean, Pongify was a good card. Yeah, but that was because it got rid of that creature, right? Um, yes. Yes, it was. And this doesn't say draw a card anywhere on it. I've read it three times, and it still doesn't say that. <laughs> it's like a weird Pongify. All right. Um, grip of the Royal. Two and a U for an instant uncommon. Surge, one and a U. Tap target creature. It doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Draw a card. I love this card. Yeah? Yeah, it says draw a card. It's an instant. Sometimes it only costs two. Yeah. That's true. What do you think about it? I mean, I, I love this card in Limited. Um, I mean, I like this card in Limited. I don't like love it implies I would take it in my first three or four picks. Like, I played the chilling whatever version, the, the crippling chill. Yeah, and that didn't even have the surge cost. Yeah, that's what so, I'm saying. But you, but you didn't you didn't first pick a crippling chill, did you? No, no. So you like crippling chill. You don't love crippling chill. Um, I like Grip of the Row more than Crippling Chill. Just because sometimes I mean. it's cheaper and you get yeah. things in one turn. I mean, when I say that I played that card, it wasn't in a deck that won very much. <laughs> so, so, 
you could just put that in, you know, as a feather in your cap. Okay. Assess how good Grip of the Royal is. Be like, well, Michael J. did say he liked it better than a card that never won. <laughs> so, Hedron Alignment. This is a card people are pretty excited about. To you for a hexproof enchantment uh, that has one U scry one. And then it also has the beginning of your upkeep. You may reveal your hand. If you do, you win the game. If you own a card named Hedron Alignment in exile, in your hand, in your graveyard, and on the battlefield. I think that this card will not make any top eights of Star City events or Pro Tours in the next few months. It will not make any top eights. But will be widely played? Again, when you look at the standings of, let's say, the 8 or 12 best players, none of them will have Hedron Alignment X4 in their deck. Yeah. What are you saying, though? I'm saying thumbs down. Okay, but I, I think this is a card people are going to try to build around. Um, yes. I think, I think this is something that people are going to want to do. It's going to be, you know, fun for them. Uh, you know, but, but no, yes, I agree. Not, not a deck that's competitive. And it's a deck that is, by, by nature of having to have four copies of it, is priced out of formats that would love to play something like this, like Canadian Highlander or Commander or any kind of singleton format. Um, I just don't think the card is going to be that. Yeah. All that. Dwar Isle Avenger. A 4U 3-3 flyer with Surge 2U. So, for his base cost, he's, like, substantially overcosted. Right. Check. <laughs> so, for its Surge cost, he's, like, shrug. Right. It's, like, a lot to make up for, and I don't think that it's really worth making up for. Okay. Negate? What do you think? I mean, I think I, think I like this card in Limited. That's, that's exactly what I think. I think sometimes I get to do something with it on turn four. On turn five, I get to play two cards. And I'm very happy. Um, I like your I like the cut of your jib. Yeah. Uh, negate, and sometimes I just play it on turn five as a three three flyer and hope I get there. Uh, negate. What, where 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 does negate sit in standard at the moment? Um, I think it's very good. I think like if you're playing against somebody who's going for a big turn with like a a big scour of the waste or a Gideon or something like that. It's always nice to stop them. Um, this one does a very good job of stopping various things. Or a Crush of Tentacles. Um, it could, in fact, counter a Crush of Tentacles. If you didn't have that duress first. That's Stucker. true. <laughs> uh, Oath of Jace. Uh, to you. Uh, legendary enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, draw three cards, then discard two cards. And then it has sort of the bonus text at the beginning of your upkeep, scry X, where X is the number of planeswalkers you control. So, there's a lot of possibilities for Oath of Jace. Just one of them is playing on a planeswalker, and he can just, like, tell us what's going on in the world, which is kind of sweet. Um, but the, the, the thing that's really exciting, I think, is when we were talking earlier about um, Starfield of Nyx, 
that he actually is a catalyst card for Starfield of Nyx because oh, yeah. he's dumping other enchantments into the graveyard. And, um, you know, besides which, anything you do with doves, right? You get a second oath of Jason, you put something in the graveyard, it's just going to be more and more digging. But, um, you know, if there's a deck that's like all these oaths, Starfield of Nyx at the top, gaining incremental advantages every turn, this guy's going to be, you know, he's got his hand up already, Brian. He's saying, yeah. let me sign up for that deck. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, yeah, this card, this card's, uh, pretty sweet and uh i mean also just obviously the delve fueling your delves is just something blue wants to do anyway yeah i think this card is like like it's just good even without getting into starfield and nicks or anything fancy right it's just like play this card draw three discard two next turn you know maybe I've, i've broken enough fetch lands that i can cast uh, Tassiger, or do you know what I mean? Like, like if you look at the curve on this card, right? You just like turn two, play a regular Jace, turn three, play Oath of Jace, right? Oh, yeah, you're gonna bend three cards from Oath of Jace. I'm sorry, two cards from Oath of Jace, one card from your Jace, yeah, one card from your well, so you just still need two cards to flip your Jace at this point, right? Yeah, well, we, so, broke, like, we broke a couple fetch lands, yeah, one fetch land and like a shock gets you there already, but he's like. They were thinking about it, you know, like that, that that's a good helper. Um And you're three cards deeper too, right? Like yeah, that's I think yeah, I mean he he fixes your hand actually. Like that's yeah. the it's not just betting cards in the graveyard. Right. Oh that's true, right. Because it's it's brainstorm esque. Yeah. Except you bring you, you it's binstorm. It's like Dreamcash esque. Yeah, yeah. What uh where where do you have this card in, in the five oaths? Or the four oaths. There's four oaths. Yeah, the um, four. I think. Well, Oathedness is the best. I think it's comparable and a little worse than Oath of Gideon. So. Four. And you have Oath of Chandra as the as the fourth best. I mean, Oath of Chandra is interesting. Like, I don't know. They're they're both like okay. I mean, Oath of Chandra is, gets paid off faster, right? You just, like, every time you kill, like, a 3-3 with it or something, they're awesome. And then if you ever play a Planeswalker later, it becomes, like, a Searing Blood, right? Three damage to this, two damage to this, which is, like, the opposite of a Searing Blood. That's good. Um, it, it just, I don't know. Uh, it depends... Like, this card's a little more expensive, impact's a little slower. I think I have it fourth. You have Oath of Jace fourth? Yeah, of the Oaths. Oh, wow. I, like, I, I, where do you have it? First? Uh, I think I have it second. This Oath of Nyssa, then this Oath guy. of Nyssa, Oath of Jace, Oath of Gideon, Oath of Chandra. I guess we shall see. Yeah. Uh, how about a card that I bet we both agree on? Overwhelming Denial. What are we going to agree on? That this card is sick? I think it's okay. You think it's okay? Like, it's very last word-esque, but then it has a sweet surge cost of UU. Yeah. Are we, uh, are we agreeing on all of these facts already? We are agreeing on all these facts. I mean, this, card, this card's just going to win. It just wins the counterfight. Um, yeah, but it's like a lot like last word where they can counter up the chain, though. So sure. if, like, you play a sweet thing and then... Yeah. Uh, but I just I just counter your original. If I'm trying to fight to counter your spells, right? Like I cast 
I cast a dispel or I do something, you counter, then I'm just this. But, right? And if they're not in a position where you're going to get into a counter war, you don't have to pay. You can just pay four. I think it depends on what the card that started the counter war was. Sure. Or it, what the availability is. Um, you know, whether the opponent can go up the chain or etc. I think the card is very powerful. And it's... It's probably costed, right? It's like, I think that Oath of Jace is probably costed a little conservatively. They were like, this card is... They, they, I, I would guess they kept saying the card was too good. And so they, they made it three where it's, it's unlikely that it's going to be too good. Right. But Oath of Woman there, I think it's just like costed exactly correctly. Yeah, I do too. I, I love this card. I think this card's a lot of fun. Um, let's see. Roiling Waters. Five UU. So this has an auspicious casting cost. Return up to two target creatures your opponent's control to their owner's hands. Target player draws two cards. Huh? This is, uh, I guess, a limited blowout? Return up to two target creatures your opponent's control. But you might not want to return them. You don't have to return them. You could just pay seven to draw two cards okay. at sorcery speed. <laughs> But you could also just bounce two things, and there you go. It's a card. It's a card you're going to win pretty spectacularly with in a limited game. It's not a great card at all. Okay, I was just checking. <laughs> Sphinx of the final yeah. word at the same casting cost of seven. UU five creature Sphinx is a five five. Sphinx of the final word can't be countered, so it's a lot like overwhelming denial. Um and flying hexproof. Mm-hmm. And instant and sorceries you control can't be countered by spells or abilities. So, like, if he comes down, he's probably going to stay down. He's probably going to beat somebody up. Yeah, I mean, he's hard to kill. Of course, he costs seven. Yeah, he I still gets he still gets wrapped, right? Like, I just think that any deck that has seven has got better things to do than some of this guy. Like Worldbreaker? I mean, I don't know. Like, I just don't see this guy being at the top shelf. He's like... Uh, like, you can... Are there, like, creature-based um, things player, that can player most likely to play Player most likely to play this card. I would say, like, a 2007 Patrick Chapin would be the, the most likely to play this card. <laughs> But I would like, say a, I would say a 2016 Adrian Sullivan. Ooh, he's right now. He's probably like challenge accepted. <laughs> um. Okay. Sweep away. I, uh, you want to talk more about this card? Uh, I mean, like, I think it's just expensive. I think it's like not that big for its size I and mean, for its cost. I think like there's a lot of things that can go wrong with it. And I think that there are better alternatives. Yeah, I mean, I think in play, there's not that much, you know, that's going to go wrong with it. It's got to be a board sweeper. Mm. You know, it's it's going to stick if it if it hits. It's. I mean, it reminds me a lot of Dragon Lord uh, Dromica. Well, I mean, how do you feel about this card against? Like, I don't know, Crackling Doom. Not good. <laughs> it's not yeah, like not everyone good. has that card. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel good again. I mean, there's also uh, the 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 dragon version of that card, right? 
Foul Tongue Invocation. Sure. Foul, tongue, foul Tongue Invocation. Don't feel good about that either. Yeah, I just don't think this card is very, you know, it's just too much mana, not enough size, so many kinds of vulnerability, but not kind of enough. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sweep away to you. Sweet piece of art. I actually really like this a lot. Uh, to you, instant return target creature to its owner's hand. If that creature is attacking, you may put it on top of its owner's library instead. Mm. I think it's just, just like a a fine limited card. A limited card, yeah. With okay. sweet art. Um, Umara Entangler. It's a merfolk rogue ally. One you for a two one with prowess. Interesting card that could fit into two different kind of decks. I mean, I don't know. Do you want a prowess merfolk in merfolk decks? Is there, is there any place for them in modern? I mean, there, you still have some spells, right? Yeah. Uh, how, think... do you, how do you rate this card versus Jeskai Sage? Which one's Jeskai Sage? The 1-1 the one one that draws you a card when it dies? Yeah, but doesn't it also have prowess? It also has prowess. Yeah, I, Jeskai Sage is much better. It's like much better than this card. <laughs> Infinity <laughs> times better. Yeah. It sees no play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Unity of Purpose. 3U for an instant. Support 2. Untap each creature you control with a plus 1, plus 1 counter on it. Well, that just seems like a thing that won't happen, really. BBWTH. What is that? Bloodbath waiting to happen. Oh, man, I can't believe that you coined that term. You just trademarked it just now on the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, with, well. With, with my Eopophilos. So, Unity of Purpose. I hate to say that it's going to blow somebody out. That would encourage someone to play this. <laughs> In limited. They, they wouldn't be my friend afterward. <laughs> So, uh, so what, what cards do we like in blue? Um, you liked Umara Entangler until I mentioned Jessica Sage. <laughs> no, I was, I was actually asking about Umara Entangler. Overwhelming and, Denial, Oath of Jace. I mean, some of them are like reprints, like Negate. Yeah, Crush of Tentacles. Um, let's see here. Void Shatter. Probably a fine card. Perfectly playable. Slip Through Space is a card you were kind of interested in. Yeah, that's in. the one that I think is... I think that might be the best one. <laughs> like, just like, you draw a card, and it also does other things. Yeah. I mean, I think that might just be the best one. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the thing that's really interesting about it is... It also, it's just su- such a good surge enabler. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, you talk about that idea of, like... It's like the perfect one. It's, like, costs the minimum, and it draws a card. Almost the minimum. But, yes. So, um, you, know, you, get to, you get to bash in with some guy, play Crush of Tentacles, pick everything up, and have an 8-8. Yeah. I think I like it because, like, you can give a guy unblockable that is normally, like, easy to block, and then yeah. they're like, yeah! And then you're like, oh... And then you're like, pick everything up. And then they're like, oh, again. <laughs> and then you're like the governorator. And they're yeah. like, oh. Yeah, cards, cards seem sweet. Do we, uh, we want to wrap up and do black? Um, 
I think let's break for now. Okay. So that's white blue. There's other things to do that aren't just black, right? We have done red and green, but we haven't done artifacts. You know, all artifacts and all we, we lands did yet. Do, have we? Oh, let's do, do okay. So, we'll, so when we when we come back, we'll do black and artifacts. Yep, let's do that. Okay. Okay. All right. This has been Top Eight Magic. Brian David Marshall, Michael J. Flores. Like us on Facebook, uh, Top Eight Games, uh, Top Eight Magic page. Follow us on Twitter at Five with Flores at Top Eight Games. Uh, ask your local game store to uh, carry copies of Emergence Genesis. Tell them they can get it from ACD Distribution. That's like directly from Bob Maher. Yeah, Bob Maher is watching over our games, and you can you can buy them from him. Your store can buy them from him. He's probably like standing there with a stick right now, like yeah. tapping by, by his the, hand. By, by the way, Mike, I'm very excited. Yeah. If you go into the Complete Strategist right now. You can find Emergence Genesis on the shelf of the Complete Strategist. I was in Barnes and Noble yesterday, or maybe, yeah. maybe two days ago. Which day was the day off? Monday, and they had the Walking Dead game. They had was it my game. Walking Dead game? It was. You think awesome. I don't know the difference? I, uh, I'm just checking. You could have been. You could have been like slow rolling me. You know. Oh, I. <laughs> they also had a bunch of games that uh, that uh, Anthony Conta. Wrote about on Fetchland, actually. Oh, awesome. We, we were looking at different games like the, to play with the kids. And they had, like, this game Love Letter that he talked about, this game Sheriff of Nottingham that he talked about. We actually ended up buying um, an Adventure Time-themed Love Letter, which we have not Look, gotten a chance to play. Lo- love, Let- love Letter's awesome. It's, it's a lot of fun. I think you will really like Love Letter. Well, will Bella like it? That's Yes. The... She's going to crush you, too. Yeah? Yeah, she's going to crush you. I mean, that's just common. Like, if we played chess, <laughs> she would crush me too. If we play magic, she doesn't necessarily crush me. She just sneers at my plays. Yeah. She's like, no excuses for this that's, poor that's, play. That's advanced level magic right there already. Yeah, it's just sneering. Yeah. Um, and then go to Fetchland, speaking of Fetchland, and just, like, read all the awesome Fetchland things. Um, how, how, do you, how do you feel about the, the balls going in the baskets right now? Uh, pretty excited, actually. Great game from the Knicks tonight. They were playing the Jazz. They were down like 10 in the fourth quarter. Just muscled up against them. Came back, forced overtime. Actually, they came back, had a seven-point lead or a four-point lead at some point. Then the Jazz forced overtime. and then But then they just pulled, the Knicks pulled away in overtime. So, you know, the Knicks, Knicks are looking really good. Jeff Van Gundy just called playoffs for them. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Kristaps Porzingis has the fourth best-selling jersey in the NBA. Ahead of KP is ahead of KD right now. Oh yeah, people don't like KD anymore. Yeah, I know. I don't know why. <laughs> no, he did. He's just—he's still like really good. I, yeah. I don't know what the problem is. Yeah. No one likes him. No one talks about. Him. No one talks about the Thunder like they're a real team. People are just like, it's going to be Warriors and Cavs again. It might not be. It might be Spurs and Cavs, right? If I if I was going to buy a jersey this year, I'd buy a Kawhi Leonard jersey. I thought Kawhi. I did not realize Kawhi Leonard is the the. He's got like forty eight percent three point percentage this year. He was fifty percent for a while. What the heck? He was at fifty percent for a while. I saw, did you watch the Cavs against Spurs game last week? <laughs> no. Cavs were up by like a ton in the first. So they 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 uh. They scored the most in the first that anyone's ever scored uh, this year against the Spurs. And then it was a close game. The Cavs lost, though. 
Uh, but then we won't talk about Cavs against Golden State. I, I wasn't even going to bring it up. Well, I, I brought it up, and I'm telling you, we are not talking about that game. The Cavs went 5-1 and one on their road trip. Their only loss was to the Spurs, and it was close. <laughs> None of those, nothing matters. <laughs> and I, like, I did like not talking about the game itself, and I did like Steph Curry's little bit of trash talk leading up to the game. Yeah. What did you say? He was just excited. He was like, you know, they said, how do you feel about going back to Cleveland? He's like, oh, man, I can't wait. I hope the locker room still smells like champagne. Yeah, I read that. <laughs> was like, it's a good line. So here's the problem for the Cavs. They beat up everybody except for the Spurs and the Warriors. That is not a solid business plan. Yeah, like I think they even beat OKC twice this year. Might have already done that. I'm not sure. I might be imagining this, but I think that they did. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just like you have to be able to beat the Spurs Warriors. Those yeah. are the only ones that matter, Cavs. So I, do you think the Cavs are going to make any trades? I, I I think there's rumors that the Cavs are going to make some big trades. But you know that they have like the, the second largest payroll in the history of the NBA right now? Wow. It's, good. it's a good team. But, like, you know, the third best team in the league isn't enough for a title. Unless, like, unless Steph Curry gets injured in the finals. Or somebody, like, just hits, like, a time machine in the city of San Antonio. Like, that's the only thing that can happen. Although, I think, like, a 97-year-old decrepit Tim Duncan is still going to be good for 10 rebounds a game. Like, I think, yeah. like, no problem, young, you know, young blood. <laughs> The uh, the thing the thing I was you were talking about the trade it, it sounded like uh, what's the what's the Russian guy that the the Cavs got from who was a, who used to be a Nick Timo Mozgov Timo Tim, Timo Mozgov sounds like uh, there was some trade talk about he's him not today. playing very well but he he has an awesome contract I think like he gets paid like four or five million dollars a year or something so it would be, probably be loath to give that up but maybe another team would like to take that because it's a really good deal but the guy was playing pretty well last year. He's not playing well this year. You know, and Kyrie Irving is just not back yet. That's the thing. Sure. He's just... Scores like 20-some points some games, but he's just not not a whole game player right now. So that's uh, it's not the best. The, the player I'm really enjoying right now is, is Derek Williams. Yeah? Former second overall pick. Picked up off the scrap heap. You know, whoever drafted him could have drafted... Who was it, Minnesota? Yeah, Minnesota. Whoever drafted him could have just drafted Kawhi Leonard that year. Yeah. They could have done that. Or they could have drafted Tristan Thompson. Yep. But they didn't. Yep. Man, no, Tristan Derek, Thompson's so good. Derek Williams is playing, is playing good ball for the Knicks this year. I'm happy for you. Watch. I'd love to see the Knicks make the eighth seed. I'd like to see the Knicks make the sixth seed. I think the eighth seed is a good place for the Knicks. Well, they're, but, they're close to the eighth seed right now. And I, th- I, th- I do actually, I, I think that the sixth seed is a possibility. I think seventh seed is better than, uh, better than, you know, a third of a chance to get there. You guys made the uh, NBA finals from the eighth seed before, didn't you? Which is so unusual. Yeah. Is that, that the was, Patrick Ewing days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was, uh, I guess Heat were the number one seed that year, right? I don't remember who the number one seed was, but I remember you guys made it from the eighth. Yeah, that was that was a pretty astounding uh, run, and then we lost to the Rockets. Uh, I want to say the Spurs. It might be the Spurs. I don't remember. We lost to a lot of teams. Well, not in the finals. 
Yeah. No one loses to a lot of teams in the finals except for LeBron. <laughs> but he has lost to a variety of opponents in the finals. All right. All right. So this has been Top 8 Magic, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of Top 8 basketball. Top 8, uh, eight Fetch Slam. Go to Fetch, eight fetch And we'll be back with uh, you know, the last part of our set review uh, later this week. Bye-bye. Bye.